computers. This is Intelligent Performance. Welcome to Intelligent Performance, where we are fanatical about excellence in human endeavor. And today, it's my pleasure to welcome Rachel Collard, a author and a marketing guru who's just launched the Marketing Launchpad, which is all about helping female entrepreneurs take their business to the next level. We have an awesome conversation about what does it take for females in particular, and what are the drivers behind females when they're looking at developing their own businesses, what are the key reasons they go into business, and what are the key differences when it comes to marketing and business which is you know got a often a very different intent than some others in the market so we go into detail down around different plans about issues and especially around how ai is changing the marketing landscape we really hope you can join you thanks for being here let's dive straight in where i really want to start is actually about 20 years in marketing you know you've been there you've been predominantly <laughs> in male dominated industries and mm -hmm. you are clearly a tough cookie when it, in terms of uh, putting up with a lot of crap shall we say so i'd love to know what are your key takeaways or, or maybe what are you, yeah takeaways reflections and key lessons from that from that career of yours okay so the only reason i've managed to stick out anything this long is that all of my roles have involved creating either new systems processes fixing things um there was a lot of change management involved and i think if i hadn't had that I would not still be in marketing. It's a crazy, crazy thing. But the fundamental for marketing um, across any industry is essentially it's a conversation that you're having with your ideal client about the problems you solve for them. Um, and if you remember that fundamental, it doesn't matter what you're selling. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter who your target market is. Everything's got to be focused around that. So, and I think... Um, Every time I've gone in and done a new marketing plan for a new business or a new um, job that I've had, it does come back down to those core fundamentals. And if they're in place, then you've got a chance of succeeding. If they're not in place, then you've got to build them first. So, um, and it doesn't, the continuation or the consistency across all of those, regardless of those industries, I think um, it's the one thing you do forget sometimes because there's new technology out there all the time. There's new marketing toys to play with. Um, but if they don't facilitate that conversation, then they're really not going to be worth your time and effort in most cases. Okay. So it's really, it sounds like it's just kind of kept you, kept you grounded to the basics, the fundamentals, the the, the real nuts and bolts and, and stay true mm. to the principles by the sounds of things. Would that be right? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. I mean, the, obviously the channels you use are different. Um, some of the tools you use are different. Um, some of your approaches are different. Like, are you making a B2C sale or are you trying to get a lead for a B2B sales team? Um, but if it doesn't continue that conversation and if isn't if it isn't convenient for the ideal client, then it's not going to work. So it's a matter of finding your ideal client, where they are, where they're happy, where they're looking to buy. Um, and that's always the trick, but it's always um, the core of everything you need to do because mm. there's not much point in having the sexiest cinema ad, for instance, if your ideal client hasn't been near a cinema in 10 years. So, oh. um, yeah, it's things like that. It's And it's about getting good ROIs. So, and I think because I've been in fairly male-dominated industries and I've always, HR and marketing are often seen as the fluffy pillars in the C-suite. Um, I've spent a lot of my time managing CEOs and CFOs and CIOs and basically selling them the value of marketing and what it can actually bring to a business. And if you don't have marketing, you don't have growth. 
Um, so, um, and that's a fundamental because they always view it as a cost center as opposed to a revenue generator. Um, mm. A salesperson can say, I, you know, signed this many in contracts. Marketing can really only say, I bought in this many leads or these days we can also usually put it down to a revenue line as well if it's e-commerce, for instance. But um, it's it's a slow shift that a lot of organizations coming from very sales-driven type structures, um, for them to get them to value marketing, you really have to be proving your worth the entire time. So, mm. But I like that kind of challenge. So, I, th- I think it's a, uh, yeah, marketers who have stuck around for a long time definitely love a challenge because I think mm. it is a... It's not easy. It's it's not directly attributable. Sales often gets far more credit, I think, than they deserve. Um, they that comes from a, a career sales guy. So, um, <laughs> and can, I have I a background think, in sales too. Yeah. <laughs> so. well, I think more and more these days, it's just it's it's, it's I think its role is big, probably declining in some regards. Mm. And I think I'm talking very broadly, but I think mm. it's certainly changing, probably to be more accurate. So, it's, yeah. Um, and a lot of that sales process is actually now taken online or through onboarding automated processes, whereas it used to be pick up the phone. And these days, like if somebody calls me and I don't know the number, I don't answer. Um, yeah. And my, a lot of people are like that. So it's changed the whole paradigm. Yeah. And I think there's, I think a good marketer versus a good salesperson should outperform a good salesperson every day of the week um, yeah. over the long term. So yeah, um, but anyway, that's a separate discussion, I think, for like, <laughs> the sales versus marketing. Um, the where, I'd love to, the <laughs> where I'd love to pick up or say, kind of guide this would be really into the differences between male and female business owners, because you could look at your career and say you're an expert from the from the male side, and then mm-hmm. it's interesting that you've you know your most recent public your most recent book is really focused on the female entrepreneur or the female business owner, mm. and. Even when we were offline, I was asking, "What's the difference?" And I, I, was, you, I was somewhat surprised by what you what you came back with. So, from your perspective, what are the, some of the differences that you could so starkly draw between a, a male and female business owner? Look, there's different reasons that people go into business, and um, and I hate to say it because I'm a woman and I have an opinion, and you know I'm quite forthright in in those opinions, but. We do think about what we want to get out of our business differently. We do go into business for ourselves for different reasons. So most men I talk to, um, they want to make money. They want to make money. They want to own the world. They want to be, you know, the leader in their field, whatever it is. Very few men that I've worked with are happy to sacrifice, say, some income for a lifestyle purpose. But when you look at the statistics for why women go into business, um, it's the main one is 50, 56% of them want more flexibility now and 49% of them want a better work-life balance. Now, when we were talking offline, you said going into business for a work-life balance, that doesn't make sense. Um, but the reality is that's what we're, as women, are often seeking. So yeah. it's, you know, half of them want to be their own boss, but 34% want more financial independence, Um but then you've got a 29% who want more meaningful work. So I think a lot of it comes down to controlling your own destiny. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that we're more conscious of now. So we all know that there's a gender pay gap. We all know that there's gender disparity um, on a financial front. And for me, small business ownerships, one way of actually taking control of that and saying, 
okay, this is actually the kind of life I want to build and I'm going to use my business to help me do it. So if I only want to work during school hours, but I want to have a six-figure income, then we structure your business in a way that's going to get you that. Um, and it's probably not going to be one-on-one consulting for those 20 hours. Mm. Um, if you want you know, to work four days a week, which a lot of people are doing in corporate as well, or you want to work three days a week and then you've got time to you know, pursue art or something like that, then the idea for me is the purpose of the book is actually to help people structure their business in a way that delivers the lifestyle and the income they want. Um, So, and it does require those marketing fundamentals to be in place, but it also, a lot of it is about making sure that the numbers do stack up, that it is a viable business opportunity. And if it's not, then it's easier to get a job and get a six-figure salary than it Mm. needs to start your own business. So you've got to want it. You've got to, you know, there's got to be a clear vision or else you're just going to be kind of waffling along and nobody wins that way. I think it, my, my point, as, as you alluded to offline, is really that it, I think when you run your own business, it can be so relentless. Mm. And um, and even though you might, quote unquote, work those hours, you're often thinking about it 24-7 um, yeah. or, very, or yeah. very close to, right? And I think yeah. that can be that can be really challenging. Uh, I, I find it really challenging personally, um, mm. but it just, just can be it's certainly not everyone's cup of tea. Um, <laughs> no, and you've got to want it badly. Like there are obviously going to be days where you just think, shit, it's too hard. Um, yeah. And if you don't have a clear vision of what you're getting out of it, then it's actually harder to overcome those bad days. Um, the other thing with the approach that women take to business is it's probably less competitive and more collaborative. Mm. Um, so, And a lot of that comes to how we're raised at school and, you know, conditioned by society and all of that kind of thing. But um, a lot of women, if they're not looking at dominating the entire world, just want their part of the pie. And that's fair enough. But they're willing to work with other people in a similar industry and share that pie. So um, it's a kind of, it is a different approach. And I think even things like networking groups, if you go to male-dominated networking groups, it's a very... um, militant specific kind of you will give me a referral and I will give you this kind of willing and dealing kind of thing women's networking groups are slightly different they're about support they're about collaboration they're about identifying with the problems that you know you're having and trying to help you overcome them so it's just a different feel um and that's not to say it suits everybody but what I was finding with the clients I was working with is there's a lot of marketing books out there and there's a lot of sales books out there but they're written by men and they're written a lot of the time for men just like them. So it's a lot of women were reading them and then getting to a point where there'd be a bit of resistance or a bit of discomfort. Mm. And Mm. I just felt like there was a gap in the market that looked at marketing strategy, looked at the numbers, looked at all the really good business things that you need to have in place, but then tailored it to a female approach. So if you're an introvert, and you don't want to be out there going yay yay rah 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 and you know um tooting your own horn there are ways around that and I think Mm. a lot of the approaches are just working out what's comfortable for you so that they can build the business they want the way they want and I think that's what was missing so would you say that's kind of a is that a common thing you see then so there's kind of like this you're having to pedal this strategy which feels uncomfortable perhaps yeah, look, it absolutely all the clients I work with, um, the minute I say there's no one way of marketing a business, 
you can see them breathe a sigh of relief. It's like, oh, thank God, does that mean I don't have to do social media anymore? Or does that mean I don't need this particular funnel? Or does that mean, oh, thank God, I don't have to go and do public speaking or whatever it is that happens to be Mm. their particular dislike. Um, If somebody is so phobic about that, why the hell would you force them to do it? There are ways to work around it. There are ways to get to your target market um, that may not be obvious to somebody with a different personality style. So um, I think... That was the feedback I was getting, the fact that we could tailor a marketing approach that's still going to get them the growth and the income that they want, but that also took into account their own personality, their own style, their time restrictions, um, whatever it happened to be that they were working around. Uh, That was the bit that sort of separated it out from some of these, you know, like one page plan for this or, you know, funnel plan for that. If they don't fit your personality, then you're not going to buy into them and you're going to be slightly resistant even if you've signed up for the course or the product. It's just you're not going to use it with the passion you should have. I think it's also about timeliness as well, right? I I see Mm. that. Yeah, you know, if you look at a lot of these books, if you think about the lead time, I'm not sure how long it's taken to read to to, sorry, to create yours, but you know, te- technological change. Even if like if you wrote something about marketing marketing technology like two years ago, I feel like mm. it would be <laughs> two <quickly>. months ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're not wrong, and it, that that is a a real challenge. I think that comes to a real challenge when you know we talk a lot about performance um you know around success around what does it take to achieve higher levels of success mm. and yeah. i think one of the challenges we see left right and center is that people often offer advice which used to work five ten whatever years ago and yeah. actually in today's current context if you're going to do an organic uh, marketing campaign through facebook as an example it's probably not going to work as well as it did <laughs> exactly. 10 years ago you know and i think no. that's an extreme example but it's mm. I think it is the kind of conundrum that people were facing where they, they're looking to learn, they're looking to get ideas, but actually mm. time and and technological change is often what's tricky. So you, know, you focus on fundamentals. How have you kind of navigated those those changes um, given yeah, the ever-evolving technological landscape? Yeah, look, the fundamentals I'm talking about are making sure that you've got a clear message, a clear niche, a clear you know, you know what problems you're solving and everything like that. For me, marketing technology is a channel. So, and it's your channel to communicate. So there, yes, there are hundreds of different options. The fortunate thing for me is I'm a marketing geek. So if there's a new technology, chances are I will have played with it. Um, And I think because I've got that particular passion, I'm able to help clients um, just make sure that it's great to be on the latest social media platform, but you don't own your social media leads. You don't own your contacts. They can take your page off you at the drop of a hat, usually with absolutely no reason. And the algorithm is designed to keep people on the platform. So if you don't have your own website, if you don't have your own mailing list, if you don't have some of those basics in place, they're no longer sexy, but you can't have a profitable business without those things. So a lot of it is actually just taking away the shiny and the new and making sure your fundamentals are sorted. So I've got probably half of my clients come to me without a good website. Um, And one of the first things I do is audit all of their digital assets and sort of say, are they working together? Uh, Is one platform leading into another? Um, Are they addressing the questions that people have got? That kind of thing. And it doesn't really matter if you're on TikTok or you're on Instagram. 
if your target audience isn't there, then there's no point wasting your time with it. Mm. Um, and even if they're there, but they're not there to buy, they're just there to kill time, like TikTok, um, then why bother? Why spread yourself thin on things that aren't going to work for you? Um, mm. The same for, like we touched on AI earlier. Now, everyone's raving about chat GPT at the moment, including my partner who is in IT, by the way. So he's out there telling me about, oh my God, I've just generated this amazing AI logo. And have you seen how it does all of these content pieces and everything like that for me? But that can only take you so far. If you don't know who you're talking to and what you're talking to them about, it can't give you the answers. You've got to ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's always going to come down to having that conversation where you have it can change, absolutely. Um, and it will evolve over time, absolutely. Because as you say, what worked on Facebook literally two months ago doesn't work on it now. I've got yeah. clients on Instagram who are saying, all of a sudden my organic reach has just dropped through the toilet and you know what, they changed the algorithm. So, and you've got no control over it. So I think it's best to make sure that in your marketing, control the things you can absolutely control and get everything else to drive to those things. So that's your website, your mailing lists, all of those kind of your events, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Interesting. And so let's touch on AI. Like it's definitely I feel in many ways it's almost leveled the playing field from a big outfit, and you can perhaps you'll know this better than I would, Rach. Mm-hmm. In terms of you know what um, large corporates and their significant marketing prowess and capabilities and resources, mm-hmm. I feel like it's really leveled the playing field and created a quite a significant opportunity for this kind of smaller end of town as well, because yeah. you are far more powerful now, like. You don't have to have a, you know, a, a copywriter sat in your office anymore to be able mm. to pump out that, that really very high level um, co- content from that guy. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Like you, you kind of sounds like you've dabbled in both worlds, from large mm. and to small. Is yeah. it fairer now? Is it a kind of a, a unique time, or, or do you think there's still differences? <laughs> Look, I think it's quite interesting because. Obviously, AI has been around for quite a long time. So where I had budgets to use marketing automation systems years and years ago, um, yes, they've absolutely improved fundamentally as AI gets better. Um, But they were something that you could only do if you had, you know, $100,000 to spend on software. Um, We were talking about chatbots back when I was with Grace, which is, you know, um, over five years ago. Um, and how to program them then was a lot more complicated than it is now. Um, so I think, yes, it's definitely leveled the playing field. I think AI has been around in marketing consistently for such a long time that a lot of people, particularly ones with larger budgets, don't even notice it anymore. And now you've got all of this media about ChatGPT and how it's amazing what you can do. And, um, you know, I've been playing with copywriting programs for years. Um, they've gotten better, absolutely, because it used to be that you had to be fairly good at coded kind of computer speak to get the stuff that you wanted out of it. But now it is a lot easier. I think a lot of copywriters particularly are very nervous, Um, a lot of graphic designers very much the same because we've managed to automate a lot of those processes. But I would still say that if you're true to your brand and your own brand voice, you're not going to be able to get that copied by AI right now. Um, and I think using the right AI tools that will get you to what you want to achieve, I think absolutely go for it. 
So for me, for content, for instance, putting it in a topic and just getting some subtopic ideas, really good idea. But if I don't know who I'm talking to and I don't know what I'm talking to them about, it's harder to get those ideas. So, and you you also don't want to um, be the same as everybody else as well. So that's a big thing for me. Tone of voice is a huge part of branding. Um, If you don't sound like you, then it's not going to be authentic. Um, And somebody will call you on it at some point. But um, yeah, I think, look, there are lots of tools and they're fun to play with, but I'd say don't play with a new tool until you've got your four tools in place, that they're doing what you need them to do. Then when you've got time, then that's time to go and play, but stick with a plan to start off with. Yeah. It just makes it a lot less stressful. I, I know from personal experiences, it's very, actually, that, that's simple advice. It's just really hard to do, you know, because yeah. you can get so sucked into execution and so Absolutely. driven by um, by likes and nonsense metrics that yep. you start to go, oh, that post, oh, maybe I should talk more about that. And mm. then all of a sudden, you know, two months down the track, you've completely wandered away from, you know, where, yep. you, <laughs> where you really Absolutely. wanted to. You're getting more likes on your post, but all those customers are wasting your time. You know, and I think mm. that's, can be really tricky to navigate that 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 balance as it were what one question with someone with such an extensive experience like you rach what Mm -hmm. would be the thing people that you believe to be true that people would disagree with you most what do you think around that look most people come to me and say my marketing isn't working and i'm like okay what are you trying and they say advertising and that to them is marketing um or or it's social media or it's whatever those are all channels. They're not actually marketing. Marketing is messaging. Marketing is understanding what you do, what problems you solve, conveying that to the ideal client. It doesn't matter what channel you use. So I'm fairly channel agnostic. Um, I will go where my target market for that particular client or for myself actually is. So I don't have favorites, but the problem you've got with marketing is there's there's over 10,000 different marketing technology tools out there. Um, and that's grown over, I think, something like 5,000% in the last 10 years. It's just, it's ridiculous, the amount of choice you've got now. But everyone that sells those tools is going to tell you that it is the salvation for you. And the reality is it can't be. So it may be one of your options, absolutely. But I think what a lot of people miss is that objectivity where they've had a chance to play with a lot of different tools, particularly if you're a solopreneur or an entrepreneur with a really small team. You don't have time to faff about So, you know, you ask for recommendations, you try to get ideas, you talk to experts, um, but ultimately you're going to have to trust the process. And I think sticking to that plan is really important, but more importantly, measuring that plan, because if you measure your results, you're more likely to stick with them Um, or you can tweak them as you go if it's not working for you. But if you don't have that discipline and a lot of people who aren't marketers don't have that discipline for their marketing. So I think what was it? In January, I think 80% of clients that came to me didn't have analytics on their website. Now (laughs) that I just, I don't understand Um, because to me, analytics is one of those fundamental measurements that you need to make sure that everything is working. Um, Or if they had them, they'd never looked at the stats because it was too complicated or whatever it was. But I think anything in business, you, you make an action you measure the result, then you make a decision about if you're going to keep doing it. And I think if you have that discipline, then you're more likely to stick to a plan. Um, and if you don't, then then you're going to get distracted by, oh, I've got 20 new followers and that's fantastic. And yes, they like photos. So I'm going to do photos from now on. Um, yeah. But 
you're right. If they don't convert to a sale, then you're in business. You're in business to be financially viable. You know, the levels of what you want that to look like for you can be different, but everything you do has to be leading towards that particular goal. And that makes it a lot easier to say no to the new and the shiny. And I'm very susceptible to the new and the shiny, I might add. So um, that kind of discipline, I it takes it's harder to do for yourself, absolutely. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm working on it too. It's a I'm glad, it's I'm a glad we're not the only one, Rach. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> I'm not the only one. That's good. Uh, yeah, I think you look. You raise a a really valid point, and I love the distinction between channel versus messaging because I think they're often confused. Yeah. Um, in terms of I'm trying something, I'm trying something on Facebook as an example or whatever, and mm. it turns out, hey, you know, that's it's not the channel, it's the message or, or vice versa. So, yeah, um, no, very cool. So I, I was just curious as you were talking, I was like, I want to know from your perspective, what do men do better when it comes to running a business versus what do women do better when it comes to running a business? Women are better, uh, sorry, men are better at asking for the sale and demanding more money. Statistically, that is the way it goes. Women, I don't know what it is with our conditioning or whatever it has been, but we're more reticent to ask for the sale, which is why for most female entrepreneurs, I build in a process where that happens automatically. So we automate as many of their processes as possible so that it doesn't feel uncomfortable. Um, Women are better at solution selling, so complicated sales. the collaborative approach, making people comfortable educating uh, before selling is a big approach um, and a difference in those approaches. Um, But yeah, look, ultimately, I hate to say it, but you guys are better at asking for money than we are. Um, And it sucks. It's one of the things, like I come from a sales background um, and it was one of the things that I had to get over really, really quickly, particularly yeah. I was doing like media advertising sales. Um, and it's not a comfortable feeling. But if you have, so my theory for like the book, the approach that we've got in there is build your authority so you're attracting the right people to you, that they want to come to you, that it's not you having to do a hard sell on them. It's they're asking you to help them solve their problem because you showed them that you know how. Oh, yeah. So it's a slightly different approach. Men are really good at hunting and gathering. Women are really good at attracting. So I really love that. I love that you kind of built a system around what works. And I think that and different priorities, especially mm. when it comes back to like the fundamentals about what the what they're saying out to achieve, which is and, and starting from there, and then yeah. building marketing strategies work, which work. Okay, really cool. Um, Rach, last question for you, and this was mm-hmm. really around like from your what's been the biggest change and uh, maybe I'm, tr- I'm trying to go away from just technology because I can appreciate that would have changed that from that you've changed your mind on through marketing right what what did you start out thinking oh it's got to be this way and and what what where have you got to on on that and what kind of caused you to really yeah think about something differently in this space I think <laughs> it's interesting as part of writing the book so it took me about a year to write edit um, get it all designed and everything like that. Um, but I found some old marketing textbooks from when I was doing uni and everything like that. And I was reading through them going, none of this matters anymore. Um, 
So, you know, there used to be the four P's and then the seven P's and then the nine P's of marketing and all of this kind of stuff. And fundamentally, you know, a lot of them still work, but um, the shift over the last couple of decades particularly has been, it's very much gone from, I used to do campaigns in in newspapers, you know, back when people physically held newspapers. Um, I don't remember the last time I saw a physical newspaper, that kind of thing. So there has been that shift, but I think also over the time, everyone's more conscious now of having your own business, but also having a purpose for it. People want to know what values drive you. They want to know what it is that you're trying to achieve. So people will ask about missions. They will ask about what charities you support and all of that kind of thing. And, you know, even five years ago, corporate social responsibility was just one of those things you ticked off because you had to. Mm. Now you've got a lot of businesses who are very much purpose-driven, who want to have an impact, who want to make the world a better place. So I think as we've evolved as a society, our marketing's also evolved with that. And there are certain fundamental expectations um, that if a business isn't supporting a charity, for instance, the question is why? Um, you know, why is that not important to you anymore? Um, and that kind of shift, I think, does reflect how how we've evolved as, um, you know, a community overall. But it also means that it's no longer a lip service and a lot of it was to a certain extent. So with big mm. corporates, you'd have a high-profile sponsorship and you'd, you know, the deal was, you know, you had to get this much exposure for this much money and all of that kind of stuff. It was very transactional. And now because companies are trying to attract people that are more purpose-driven, um, younger generations want more meaning in their work and all of that kind of thing, now those kind of purpose or charity or community kind of initiatives are about time and energy as well and not just about the dollars. So um, volunteer programs, for instance, in corporates, those are kind of big things. So I think just some of the fundamental ways we measure the success of a business have changed which means the way that we communicate businesses and missions and values and what we stand for also has had to change in the marketing perspective. Um, and it's not just enough to say, I want to be the most best marketer in the world. Um, of course, I want to be the best marketer in the world, but I want to do it for a reason. So, mm-hmm. and one of the lines in my book is, you know, I like using marketing for good and not evil. It's because it feels better for me, but it mm-hmm. also is because I've worked for a long time in corporate where everything was about the bottom line. Yeah. And now I'm trying to use it to help women like me who may have been earning really good salaries but were burning out achieve a lifestyle and an income that they want. And that gives me, makes me more passionate about my marketing. That makes it more purposeful for me. That gives me much more meaning. It means I'm not hitting the snooze button in the morning seven times. It means I'm yeah. jumping out of bed because I'm happy to be there. Um, and I think a lot of us are looking for that kind of purpose. Yeah, so, no, I think it's... I think you're bang on. I think it's um, days of kind of worth two two dimensional businesses are probably numbered, uh, especially as the generations change. And I think um, it's it's also probably one of the biggest challenges that businesses fundamentally was initially just all about transaction. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But they've become social vehicles, and I think you know some I know business owners who definitely struggle with that when they're Mm. you know. They, they kind of look at it and go, they literally ask me, what the hell are you thinking about? Like, it's not, that wasn't what this is for. So I think there's a certain demographic that definitely resonates with, but it's also like a whole bunch of other people like, this is crazy. This is not what, what it's about. And I, I think that's mm. that's an interesting juxtaposition, but I, I certainly think 
with COVID, as you alluded to um, just offline in terms of mm. it's been an incredible catalyst for change. It's It's been amazing for a lot of people. And I think, uh, what was it? I saw an amazing study. One of the tech firms, they implemented maybe Spotify, I think it was, and they implemented work from anywhere. And all of a sudden, they like it, leadership uh, diversity changed. It's gone like, like doubled or something like that in terms mm-hmm. of like more women. It went from like 30% to 60% or something like that. So the knock-on impacts of remote working and time flexibility certainly opens up opportunities to really tackle these, you know, pay gap challenges issues which have persisted for a long time for many reasons but i think there's mm. it feels like change is afoot and it sounds like yeah this is certainly helping to kind of lay, lay the foundation for that as well so mm, for sure and i think with just the forced shutdowns we all had to take stock and i think a lot of the clients that i've dealt with over the last 18 months have very much been in that space where they either really enjoyed the freedom of working from home because it allowed them to prioritize other things. And then they weren't willing to give it up. Um, A lot of the reason I didn't, you know, I quit my job when I quit my job um, was because they were starting to agitate to get us back into the office. Um, And quite frankly, I didn't miss the office. Mm -hmm. Um, I was dealing with my team really effectively. We were always on, you know, chat or zoom or whatever. Um, And I knew that every day that I'd spend in the office would be a completely wasted day because I'd be in meetings yeah. and you don't get anything done in a meeting other than yeah. lobbying and politics. Um, so <laughs> it's, um, and you know, working for yourself, don't have to deal with that. You only have to deal with yourself. So, yeah. and clients, but yeah, it's, um, but if you're working with the right clients, it's not a chore. So, um, yeah. Rachel, I think it's a great place to leave uh, this discussion. Thank you so much. Marketing Launchpad is available now. I know you launched it last week, um, despite being under the weather and experiencing <laughs> COVID by the sounds of things. So good on yes. you for playing through that. Uh, <laughs> can't print these things, unfortunately, can you? So, <laughs> True. But I, look, I wish you the best with it. And uh, we'll put the links to the book below. If it sounds, uh, yeah, if this conversation is resonating with you, we really encourage you to check it out. And uh, Rachel, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. 